What's going on, guys? Um, just another beautiful week. Let's get after it a little bit. I want to get in here and critically think about some things. But, you know, I had a conversation on the phone with somebody today, and it just like me got me to thinking about the industry as a whole and and how like how confused I think they were with all this like new theory that every young person is spitting out at people without like having actually done anything and you know and it and I get it that can be confusing but some of these concepts I think um you have to look at this industry as a whole and 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 really look down the road a bit and kind of reverse engineer what it will look like if some of this stuff comes true right if the commission-based model salon is dead and we have like over the last couple years had a, a lot of salon schools closing like i'm in richmond virginia which is a pretty big tier city and like i don't know any of any good hair salons here um or sorry hair schools here and uh, that's this is a big city to not have a, like any good hair schools like that that seems insane to me right like i know they got like a votech thing here um but there's no like actual brand no no school no like salon running a big school no nothing here um and that's crazy now i have to ask like why is that what is it about our industry that our schools are drying up or like not even in non-existent in second tier cities like I just don't understand what's going on and and I'm asking myself like are we like systematically dismantling our industry as a whole if there's no money and there's no like like I this is what I don't understand if if you kill the hair, the commission based hair salon model and everything goes to like this chair rental or suite rental thing well, I just want to ask myself, like, well, what's that look like, right? Like, what does it look like? If there's no pipeline, how does anyone get going? How do you go pay a rent? And, like, what are they going to They're going to give you the first six months to a year free in a chair that, like, people are going to be, like, like fighting for? I, I, I just don't buy it. Like, I just, if I was a young person getting into the industry today and I had to go pay rent before I had skill. <laughs> like the i i mean i can't even i i it's it's almost funny but like it's so seriously like it's just heartbreaking in a way right like and, and it's like uh you almost in order to believe that this is good for us you have to be sort of delusional <laughs> so but i'm like looking at it i'm like okay so like let's say i came out of like a votech in in richmond virginia right like where it's like you know maybe i got a a decent education and it allowed me to pass the state board but i'm let's be honest probably not like you know chair ready education and so like what well, what happens there i'm a guy i i i get my my license and then without any skills at all i gotta go and start paying rent and try to figure out a clientele before i ever develop and then like okay so like let's say your parents funded you a little bit like you're you have to look at it like it's a small business so someone so now you got to get funding from your from, from your parents or from from like uh gofundme or like you know the government to like to like start your career like i do, i'm so confused by this that and it doesn't make any sense and it, you can't tell me that this is good for the industry and i just don't understand this is why i think 
So first of all, I think that premier level salons, like the salons that I train, they're not going anywhere. Like they're not going anywhere. You're going to kill off the bottom in the middle, like, you know, have your way with it. It doesn't really make a whole lot of difference to me. I just, I just don't think that this is good because schools are going to slowly dry up. Right. But like, and then you're, this is going to force government to like de-license, like, right. Like, cause you can't have licenses if, if like, there's no way to get schooling for it. Right. So I just don't know how you continue to license if there's no schools. And then on top of that, like, if there's no like salons, like what's got, if the government's not getting any tax dollars, like what's their incentive to license it or like even worry about it at all? Like they're not going to, they don't care. So if that's something that matters to you, like that's probably gone, right? Like that doesn't mean, you know, everybody knows where I, or maybe they do, maybe they don't, but like, I don't care about licenses. It doesn't make any sense to me because you, you take away, take away licensure, right? Like, and you give salons the ability to apprentice, uh, people, right. And, and churn out like hairdressers, right? Like, well, then you're putting all the power back into the top flight salons, like the ones who can afford apprentices, the ones who have the skills to train them, the ones that have the time to train them, right? The ones that have staffs big enough to train them, right? Like, cause it, you know, people are very expensive. So you, you have to have money flowing to be able to, to train people, right? Like that is the biggest cost of business. So if you're, if you're a hairdresser listening to this and your boss has apprentices or lots of support staff, um, you know, you should thank them because that's, uh, the biggest expense there is period is people, right? So they're definitely, they're definitely getting after it to like invest back in you because apprentices are solely for the hairdressers. Right. And the owner gets something eventually like the owner, the, the, um, apprentices will eventually hit the four. Like in my salon, I got like a, a one to four, one to five ratio of people I train. So, um, and just being honest, like when I, I, I try to be fully transparent with it as well is like, I try to let them know when they come in. Well, I do let them know. I tell, always tell them that the chair is not guaranteed. Right. And I will train you and I'll train you to the end, even if you don't make it right. Unless you're just so bad that like, I can't even have you in the salon. You may you may be a good employee and you may be coming to work and showing up to on time and doing the thing and still not be able to make it at one of my salons because I'm taking the best of the best. Like and that's no that's not a shot at people. Sometimes it takes people like a couple more years to develop. Like for me, for example, like I don't think I would have been the best apprentice in the world. Um, I probably would have passed myself over if I'm being honest, um, which is kind of um, weirdly uh, truthful. <laughs> um, but like, I probably would have passed myself over, and and then I would have went and, and had to like climb my bake my way back up to a salon because um, you know I got into this industry really early in my teens and. And I did take it very, very seriously, but maybe I wasn't the best employee as I'm looking back. Um, you know, like I didn't want to do it. I wanted to train and I wasn't really interested in, in shampooing hair and, um, and, and, you know, like that's fine, but maybe I would have passed myself over, which is kind of, um, kind of interesting. <laughs> so now I'm having like a weird secondary, uh, maybe even tertiary, like uh, existential crisis on the side here while I'm talking to you. So that's going on in the back of my head. I just like, I just don't see what the world is if we just kill off all of these salons 
all of this commission-based model. And first of all, I don't believe that this is true. So even when I'm talking about it, I'm like, why am I even sitting here talking about it? I don't think it's true. The commission-based model is amazing, and it's been here for a very long time, and it wasn't what started, right? Like, it was basically chair rental and whatnot, like, at the beginning, right? So it, it kind of morphed through... Um, to this commission-based model, which is the best model I've seen. I, I like there. I just can't. There, there isn't a better model. Now, there are bad owners who don't give you anything for your percent. I understand that, right? But, but you don't have to work for them. You can go choose another owner. It can't be bad that every single person that was like born before you, like, had this idea. Like that just that doesn't make it bad. Just because you think that there's this new, brilliant, disrupting idea out there. And there, this is a very simple business. As long as you show up with something sharp, you can get paid. <laughs> like, like uh, I mean, honestly, my razor is a sharpened piece of metal. I can make that in my wood shop in like eight seconds, right? <laughs> like, you can take... Any piece of metal and make it sharp enough to cut hair for a living, right? You, it, it takes nothing. It's not the it's not the scissors. It's not the tools. It's you and your eye, and it's this very simple thing. It's just you and the guest, and your connection, and then you have to perform a service on them while they watch, which can be can be quite tricky, <laughs> and then. At the end of it, they have to like it. <laughs> and then not only do they have to like it while they're in the in the salon, they have to like it when they go home and style it later. And then they have to like it as the humid months come. And then like uh, they have to like it as the dry months of winter come, right? Like there's so much complexity. But overall, the industry is very, very simple. All you need to do is show up and be there. Right. And like, yeah, OK, it gets a little bit more complicated with with color. Like I haven't done color in 20 years, so I don't, I don't really think about that perspective. It's not because I hate color or anything strange. It's just that like it doesn't really come up in my thought process because I don't do it. Um, you know, I watch it get done all day long and I'm mesmerized by it. But like at the end of the day, uh, I don't really think about it. Like and thank God, because when I did do it, it, it was not my favorite thing. <laughs> in the world. And so I just, I just look at the salons and I'm like, look how much stronger we can be. Right. If you're, if you're running a commission based model at this moment in time and you're thinking about jumping out, well, okay, you better be right. You better be right. If you think you're going to switch to renting chairs and then switch back, like it's no big deal when it, when it, flows back the other way because i will tell you i've been in this industry for 20 plus years like i mean 17 i'm 44 right so I, i've seen this swing back and forth before it's not like it's not some i mean honestly the commission thing has been there the whole time and it's been getting better the whole time and then all of a sudden in like the last eight minutes people are starting to to think that you're going to get rid of it but like w what does the other side look like i've read like um like not too long ago, that was like 70%, 70, 80% of all chair rental or suite rentals, suite rental uh, stylists get in and out of the, the industry within one year. Within one year, they drop it. They're out. 
I, I don't know if that number is like they get out of the industry entirely or and, and this number has probably changed because I'm I'm it's probably two or three years old now at this point. Everything's changed since the pandemic. Right. But, you know, I've never seen more people leave this industry in a hurry than during the pandemic. That's for that's for bloody sure. Like and um, so that those numbers can't be the same and it, it's got to be worse. And and then I have to go, OK, so comparatively. If if that model is so right, if it's so right, then why, why is it only one in five staying in? One in five. I, I can count on one hand the amount of people that left me in a year, inside of a year, in my entire career of ownership, which is 20 years. In 20 years, right? Like, it, I think it's fascinating that we're even having this discussion. I actually am somewhat like annoyed that I'm still even talking about it because it's so obnoxiously not correct. I don't even understand it. Now, I'm not saying like this is where I really get because people are so narcissistic and they always think like, well, you're talking about me. I'm not talking. I'm not talking about you. Right. Like I only talk about this industry from the very top. That's all I care about. The rest of you, I love you. You're not my industry, right? And like, or at least you're not my thought of my, of how I think about the industry, right? So I, I believe there's th three tiers of hair salons. And when I think about hairdressing, I can only think about my business because it, it does me no good to think about the bottom or the middle tier, right? Like it, it, it's absolutely, it, it, it's just a waste of time. It's a waste of time for me to think because one, I don't have a lot of time. I have a lot of businesses. I've got a lot of like I've had businesses in different verticals and I have to think about a lot of different things. So when I think about our industry, I have to think about it from one perspective and one perspective only. And that's from my salon perspective. Like I don't really care what happens to everyone else. Okay. Cause like at the end of the day, my job is like the medicine man of my tribe. And I have to like look out for my team and my village and my people. And I have to make sure they eat and I have to make sure that they're happy. And I have to make sure that like there's hope and there's a future and that we're growing right. And not dying. And that's what I'm concerned with. And and I think you would do yourself justice to think about it like that, too. You cannot think about like the thought that I'm hearing out there. I think it's incorrect for me. Right. I'm not saying that their thought might not be correct for the bottom tier. Right. Or maybe the bottom middle tier. Right. Because most of it's so bad, it could only work in those tiers. Right. And I'm not saying like most of it, like I mean, like almost all all of it. Like I listen to these people and I'm just like the narcissism that when you're talking that you, you're just shouting memes at people and this like inspirational quote type of bullshit, right? Like there is nothing like I can just come up with a clever saying and just spurt it out over and over and over and hope that you'll like latch on to my words. But this is more important than that. You have to be able to get in, get your like get just dirty in the thought, right? You have to get in there and get filthy thinking about this from the trenches perspective, right? It's not like some pretty like no, it sucks. It sucks to be the guy like 
like sitting here going, man, we should really think about what we, cause it'd be so much easier to be like, no, it's all going to like, well, let's, let's lead, lead the revolution and, and like get rid of salons and commission based models and fuck everybody. And who cares? And like, like, let's just do it, man. And see what happens. Like, but no, it's way too important for that. Right. Because you're not going to be right. So what happens when you're wrong and all of that's gone? So how do you slowly build back to it? Because that's what's going to happen anyway. And then the people like me who stay the course, we're the ones who are going to bounce back like rubber bands and the rest of you fools are going to suffer. <laughs> so, so first of all, like calm down a little bit. <laughs> like, like. Uh, look, I was talking to somebody today and I'm like, dude, you have nothing to be ashamed about. You got like a real salon. You're doing real things. Now, she was like, has a little bit of a mixed thing going on, but I'm like, she kind of understands her direction now, right? And like, I thought she's on the path, right? And she's slowly but surely getting the information and getting her stuff sorted out, right? And I'm like, take it easy on yourself. It's not going to happen overnight didn't happen for me overnight took me like 15 years of tweaking you know i believe in that kaizen process where it's like small small tweaks small continuous tweaks but i don't believe in the continuous part of it right like i i believe that you should tweak when you feel like it's necessary after you've really you got to be able to do it fast if fast is necessary but you got to be able to take your time if taking your time is necessary because the problem with any policy is it's almost impossible to walk backwards, right? So if you if you decide, oh, well, I'm going to give more percent to everybody to like keep them from walking to the, to the shop down the street. Well, okay, so they weren't going to stay for you anyway, not even for more percent, right? So you just gave everyone more percent. And like, if that's catastrophic, like meaning that uh, that percent did nothing for you and then put you in the red, as a business, right? How do you walk that back without losing everybody? Like it's almost impossible. Um, so, you know, you, you, you not only have your thought has to be somewhat clean, it has to be somewhat smart. But the thing is, it's like, there are a lot of people out here doing these things well, right? So if you ever want to think, if you ever want to like, look at it, just take better models than you, right? So if you want to get to this place, well, go look at what the models are. Right. So I, for me, I've always wanted to be the, the best in an area and, and leave no doubt. Right. So I, I don't really look at like I'm competing in the area, like for a crazy example. Right. When I moved to Richmond, everyone told me the, com the, the commission based salon was dying and, and the compartmentalized salon is dying where, or there it's not, it wasn't even really existent in Richmond. Right. So, you know, meaning that, um, meaning that people did everything. They didn't they didn't do one either cutting or or color, you know, separately. And and that's my model. Like that's a model I believe in. I think people get the strongest off of that model. And I just believe that there's so many benefits that outweigh any other model. Um, and so I go with it and that's what works for me. Now if that doesn't work for you then so be it because the thing is like I readily admit I readily admit that like generalized uh generalized haircutters like generalized stylists like people who do everything that that's an easier game they're easier to find you can you can fill your salon quickly with them right like there's a lot of different 
uh, benefits to hiring them. Now for me, it's a slow game. Like I, I never do worse than when I first open and it takes me four or five years to train the amount of hairdressers that I want to be able to get me going. And that is just what it is. Now, I had opened up like two years before the pandemic down in Richmond, and then the the pandemic kicked me in the face <laughs> and the butt at the same time, right? And then, and then when I came back, I was basically starting back over from scratch. Now, not all the way from scratch, but but pretty darn close, like numbers that like I would be expecting to do had I just opened again, right? And and so now I'm back at square one where I'm like growing people again and like the thing's really starting to blow now. So, or blow up, not, not blow, like not as in bad. Um, it's definitely starting to go really, really well now. I'm super stoked. So the thing for me is like, I don't look at money and that's re- really complicated because I know every business coach out there is like, look at money, look at the money, you look at the percentages and like, and like you can't do anything about how much that stuff costs. <laughs> like I, you could stare at it all day long. It's not, it's not going to influence your decisions too much. Um, so, I mean, it's just like, if you don't have cash flow, then it's all, it's like water on a farm. Like you just don't have much, right? Like you can't, you can't grow anything. You can't, you can't give water to animals. Like it's, it's, it makes you can do it. It just makes it really, really difficult. Um, so in this same sense, right? So you know, and this is Richmond, and and it's it's starting to go, and I'm so stoked, and like I'm so um, I'm so grateful that you know, because I was like during this pandemic thought like maybe it was over. <laughs> so I'm really I'm really feeling good right now, and um, and like uh, you know, and everything, and I never changed a thing. Even though all these people told me it wasn't possible, it's not going to happen. I didn't change a thing because I understand that my stuff works. It just takes time. And and honestly, and like I was telling you a second ago, I don't care about the money. The money doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is what is happening in the business, right? What does it look like? Are you just putting a bunch of people on the floor that you don't really believe in? Are you putting people on the floor that you want to work beside, right? I really believe that you judge salons by their weakest link, right? And, and I, and very much so for me, I'm like, like, I really, really hold to that for my own self-assessment of of my salons. And I don't care what my competition is what my competition is like a block away, three blocks away in the city. I don't care if I'm the, I don't care. In fact, I don't, I never even care if like the local best bets thing, like they have something like that down here in Richmond too. Like I'm never going to read it. I don't care about it. I don't want to be on that list beside those people. Cause you're kind of guilty by association. And what I found in DC was like, like I never got on those best bet lists. Like I'm on every national uh, publication, but like I never gotten the local stuff because I'm unwilling to ask clients to go on and vote for me. Right. And that's mostly because I don't care. I, and I don't want to be put on the list with some, like some like sea level salon. Right. And, and then like people go, Oh, this is just, this is, these are the good ones. And like, you put me on the list next to like some scrub salon that just because they have like, you know, they have 17 locations and somehow like they're going to give everybody 5% to vote for them. And, and, and you want me to take this list seriously. So no, I don't, I don't judge it off a list. I judge it off of my own feeling. What do they look like? What does it feel like when I come in? 
you know, and I'm, and I go easy on myself, right? Like I'm hard on it, but like I go easy on myself because it's a game. It takes a long time. I've, I've built a lot of these. I know what it looks like. I know what it feels like. It takes its time and you got to give it time to do it. You got to give it time to mature, right? You can't, you can't stick some apprentice on the floor after like training with you for a year and a half or two years. You can't stick them on the floor and expect them to be like, like some senior veteran, um, I don't know what, what word did I just say? Seniored? I, I guess that works. Seniored veteran, right? Like, like seasoned. <laughs> nice. Okay. Some seasoned veteran, like on the floor, right? Cause they don't have 20 years experience, right? Like that's not, that's not realistic. You got to give them time to develop, right? Like their haircutting is going to be sort of a mess for about six months. Like that just is what it is. Then as they get more and more comfortable, it'll get better and better and better. And then in about a year, they'll go, oh, now it's time for me. Like they're feeling a little bit comfortable. Now it's time for them to get a little bit more advanced training, right? And then stuff really starts to click the second time they start to train, right? So I always give them like a little time to, to breathe, a little time to marinate, right? And get a little confidence under them. And then I destroy them again with the second round of education. <laughs> That's so funny to think about. But I really, I, I do. I like basically let them get super confident. But the funny thing is because they're they're confident and and now they've got some repetition and some experience. The second time, it's far easier to train people. So putting them back into that training is where all the like growth happens. That's where all the magic happens. Now they can actually listen to my like training and my education, um, and they kind of understand it better, right? Because now, because the beautiful thing about doing clients is you'll pull hair back into a, a haircut and you'll be like. I don't know how to do that. I don't know what, 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 the, how do I make that transition right there? That's the piece I don't really understand. Right. And then when we train them the second time, they'll go, Hey, what about that? This place right here. And then because they now know that's a spot they get into, they'll learn it. You know, it's not like, it's not just theory that you're throwing up against the wall to see what sticks. Right. So there's, um, ooh, there's been a lot of gems in this here podcast. So, um, let me just leave it with you uh, right there. And let me just say and reiterate, we're all going through this journey together, right? So be easy on yourself. I think it's important to, to like recognize that you've put a lot of hard work in and it's okay. And let's make some small tweaks going forward, but like, let's not go crazy either. All right.